0: The Canadian Military History Podcast. I'm your host, Mike LaCroix. Music provided by the 48th Highlanders of Canada. Today's guest, Sergeant Tristan Bankasing.
1: We're doing a normal fire mission in the rush of doing everything fast. But what happened was I didn't read the numbers correctly. The bearing was not on.
0: Welcome to the Canadian Military History Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Lacroix. Now, in the last few episodes, I really didn't have enough time to review the feedback from the listeners. And that's because I was traveling to Florida. I went on March break vacation. So when I got back, I was a bit rushed and I didn't have a chance to go over some of your comments. So the first comment I wanted to review comes from Major Bruce Smear of the Lincoln and Welland Regiment. He was also a guest on the show. And he's responding to the Commander of the Canadian Army, Lieutenant General Haynes podcast. And he remarks, Mike, you are the alley G of podcasts, getting some pretty big names. Thanks a lot, Bruce, for the feedback. And he posted that on Facebook. For the last episode, I had called out to friends and soldiers to see if anybody had any pictures to help me out of Warrant Officer Lise Bourgon from the last episode. In that canvassing of pictures, I really didn't get any images, but on Facebook, Sergeant Chris Lamb of the Toronto Scottish, he replies, the one I remember the best was with Lieutenant Sanders kneeling in front of her desk. And what had happened, he had had a conversation, but because he was towering over her, he wanted to be on eye level, but she was seated behind her desk. And since he's a little bit taller than some, he wanted to work at eye level. So he kneeled in front of the desk and he was having this face-to-face conversation across the desk and somebody from a 90 degree angle off them took a picture of him and it looked like he was begging for some administrative assistance from the chief clerk. So it was a very comical picture. And if anybody, any good listener has access to that picture, I'd really love to put it up. It's a very comical picture. It doesn't really poke fun directly at anybody, but it's a harmless and playful picture. Now, jumping over to iTunes, I'm having a look at the Rating and Reviews tab on iTunes, and there is no new ratings or reviews on the podcast. Now, If you are enjoying the show and you do like listening and you are a regular subscriber, please take two minutes, three minutes, five minutes, whatever, give me a rating, and give me a review. Once again, if something is not being done to your satisfaction and there's some areas that I can improve, just like Lieutenant Colonel Mike Vernon helped me out with some suggestions and pointers in order to get a better production for you, the good listener, you can send me an email and help me out, point me in the right direction. But if you're very satisfied with what's going on and you think this is a top-notch podcast, please go ahead. Write a nice rating, give me five stars, and give me a review. And what that does when you write a review and when you give me a rating, it boosts the podcast on iTunes and it makes it easier for other people just like you to find the podcast and enjoy the show. So please do take a few minutes, and especially if you are a former guest on the show, I hope you would give your own episode five out of five stars. But nevertheless, Give me a quick little rating, quick little review, and if there's anything I can do to make the show better and you don't think that I have earned those five stars, please send me an email at MikeLacroixCMHP at gmail.com and I will respond to your feedback. The final bit of feedback I want to go over comes from Rick Morrissey. Rick Morrissey says that this podcast sounds like a great idea, and he's telling me that he served as a construction engineer as well as with the RCR. He says he served in Rwanda and Bosnia twice, and he had the privilege of being stationed at CFS Alert. So, Rick, it sounds like you're auditioning for a podcast. So, Rick, if you're out there and you're listening to the podcast and you're enjoying the show and you would like to be a guest on the show, please go ahead, send me an email, CMHP at gmail.com and I'll be very happy to have you on the show and we can schedule something. I would really like to hear your point of view from your experiences. Now, a couple of my goals when producing this show. First of all, I want to reach out to all aspects of the Canadian Forces. This is not supposed to be an Army Reserve of Toronto-centric show. It's supposed to reflect the true nature and true makeup of the Canadian Forces. One of the areas that I'm having trouble breaking into is the Royal Canadian Navy. I've got two guests from the Air Force, and one of those two guests started in the Royal Canadian Navy. However, he wears a blue uniform today. I'm looking for sailors. I'm looking for officers of sailing vessels. Even if you have only ever served on a stone ship, I want to hear from you. I want Navy guests on the show, and I'm giving you a month to get a hold of me. You have 30 days from right now to get a hold of me, or else there will be some consequences, you sailors. Get in touch with me, Mike Lacroix, cmhp at gmail.com, and I want to hear from you, and I want to get your stories. Also, members of the Air Force... If you're out there and you're listening to the show, you're enjoying the show, I want to hear from you as well. I do not want this to be an Army-centric podcast. I want to reflect all aspects of the Canadian Forces. And that goes for the Rangers, and that goes for our cadet instructor list as well, because cadets have come up quite a bit as an influence on the show. So I want to hear from all aspects. If you are a member of the Department of National Defense and you've never served a single day in uniform, but you are also part of the defense team, I want to hear from you as well. This is supposed to capture all aspects, all experiences, all ranks, all services. Let's hear from you. The other area I have a great interest in breaking into is being able to reflect the true diversity of the Canadian forces. And I was very lucky to encounter the guest for today, Sergeant Singh from the 7th Toronto Regiment of the Royal Canadian Artillery. Sergeant Singh grew up and was born in Toronto, specifically in Etobicoke, and his family comes from Jamaica. He joined the Canadian forces in 2004, and he made the decision to become a gunner in the Royal Canadian Artillery. He has the good fortune of Having served in two artillery regiments, the Fifth Field Regiment in British Columbia and the 7th Toronto Regiment in, well, I guess Toronto. Although he wears the rank of sergeant, he holds the appointment of Troop Sergeant Major of A Troop in the Seven Guns. He also devotes his time to mentoring and developing the young cadets of the 105th Streetsville Royal Canadian Artillery Cadet Corps. Despite the fact that Tristan is a sergeant, he holds a degree in international hotel management and also an advanced college of diploma in hospitality and tourism administration. The reason I draw that contrast, for those of you that don't know, it's typically assumed that a person who holds a degree would become an officer, whereas a person that doesn't hold a degree would become a non-commissioned member and move up the ranks to the rank of sergeant. But more and more we're finding that our senior NCM Corps is becoming more educated, which is a bonus thing. It's a great thing to see people going on, taking their degrees, and remaining within the NCM Corps. Here's my interview with Sergeant Tristan Bankasing. Sergeant Bankasing, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much. You and I first met at the Warrant Officers and Sergeants' Mess of the 7th Toronto Regiment Royal Canadian Artillery at Moss Park Armoury in Toronto in
2: 2012 during a brigade commander's visit. Yes, that's actually correct.
1: I was a new sergeant at the time and I was a bartender (laughs) and you came to the mess and you asked me to serve you a Kilkenny.
2: Excellent. Well, I hope you're smart serve qualified because we could all get in a bit of hot water if not. I am smart serve qualified. I made sure that I took care of all that stuff before
1: I got promoted.
2: Excellent. So I sent you the
0: questions in advance, and we've had a chance to talk about the questions online through email. Have you had a chance to look at the questions?
1: I did have a chance to look at the questions.
2: Excellent.
0: Are you ready to go? I am ready. So why don't you tell me why you chose to join the Canadian Armed Forces?
1: I chose to join the Canadian Armed Forces mainly for a sense of adventure and a sense of purpose. I wanted to do something different out of the ordinary from everyone in my family. My uncle is the only person in the history of my family that has military service, and he served in the Jamaican Army before immigrating to the United States. However, when I joined, I didn't know that. For the majority of my family, military service is still unusual from the norm.
0: What were you like when you joined?
1: Uh, When I joined, I was 17, 18 years old. What year was that? That was in 2004. And I was a quiet, shy kid. I just graduated from high school. And I was growing up in the Malvern area in Toronto looking for a positive direction in my life. Because at the time, I was still unsure of where I was going and what I wanted to do but I still wanted to make a positive difference. I've taken a year off to decide what I wanted for a career, and when I was in high school, I was planning to go to the Royal Military College, but I knew that my marks weren't good enough because when I was in high school, I wasn't the amazing student that I am now. (laughs) We had a recruiter that came to my high school before I graduated, and he was talking about the primary reserves for the Canadian Armed Forces. And he mentioned to me that if I wasn't able to get into RMC, then I should try being a reservist, so at least I get a taste of military life. I took the recruiter's advice, and I did some research into reserve units in Toronto, and I looked at the Queen's Own Rifles at the time. And I know that they paraded on Wednesdays, but I didn't note that they paraded from 7.30 to 10.30. I figured, well, I'll just go in during the day. (laughs) I didn't know at the time that there was a full-time staff that works during the day. I rang the doorbell at Moss Park, and I was greeted by a bombardier from 7th Toronto Regiment. I told him that I was looking to join the Army, and I didn't tell him what regiment I wanted to join because I was so excited about being there. <laughs> he took me to the recruiting office for the 7th Toronto Regiment, and I met with the recruiting sergeant, he showed me a video of what the artillery does, and I signed up and been in for almost 10 years, and I'm still excited to be in the military as I was the first day I walked into Moss Park.
0: Well, I can tell you one thing, one of the characteristics that you cannot have in the artillery as a sergeant is being shy and quiet.
1: (laughs) No, you cannot. (laughs) You'd
0: have to overcome both of those things in order to be (laughs) successful in the artillery as a sergeant. Absolutely. So what was the world like when you joined?
1: The world, when I joined, smartphones didn't exist. I believe the cell phone of the day was the small little Nokia cell phones that everyone was raving about. Paul Martin was still the prime minister and George Bush was still president and everyone was wondering what was going on with Iraq. We had soldiers in Kabul at the time, but don't think everyone really knew what was kind of our mission was going on in Afghanistan at the time. Right. When I was telling people that I was planning to join the army, at that time, the Canadian military was still an unknown entity for the general population. So a lot of people were still shocked at my reasons as to why I wanted to join the military. And some of them were wondering how the military or wondering if the military even existed, because a lot of people were still thinking, oh, if something happened, the Americans will come and save us.
0: Right. <laughs> What is your most memorable experience in the Canadian Armed Forces or your greatest achievement?
1: I actually have an answer to both of those questions. Well, go ahead. My most memorable experience in the Canadian Armed Forces was when I pulled the lanyard for the first time and I became a gunner. When you're going through your basic artillery training, there do you learn about the Current in-service howitzer, which is the C3 howitzer. One of the jobs of being a part of a gun detachment is that you have to play in a position we call it the number two position, and that's the person that operates the elevation to get the appropriate range for the gun, and is the person that also fires the howitzer. Right. Now, most people when they get qualified, everyone has to fire the howitzer. Once. So the first time you fired the Houtzer is traditionally when you become a gunner instead of a private recruit. Right. So when I pulled the lanyard and I fired the Houtzer for the first time, that's when I had that accomplishment of saying, yes, I'm now a gunner and I've completed all my military training and I was able to go back to my unit and be a soldier just like everyone else.
2: Right. Excellent.
1: My greatest achievement was when I was promoted to sergeant in 2011. Two reasons for this. One, it was because it was one of my long-term goals and it came after one of the greatest challenges I had in my life, which I will elaborate on. I think for me, being a sergeant meant that my leadership potential is now confirmed. Now, I was the person that the young privates to look onto and depend on to pretty much teach, mentor and guide throughout their military career. So in a sense it allowed me to become directly responsible for making a difference in the lives of people and it gave me an opportunity to make sure that I made a positive difference for all of the young soldiers that are now coming through in the military. The second reason is that it allowed me to go back to the African or Caribbean Canadian community, and to be a positive example for them, because I find that a lot of them do not know or are unaware that you can be a part of the military and you can use it to make a positive difference. And it it will allow you to avoid getting caught up in various drugs and gangs and things like that nature that most people shouldn't or do not want
2: to go down in. Right. Is that a big concern in the area where you grew up?
1: In the past, in the Malvern community, it was a big concern. We find that a lot of people are just unaware of various positive programs or institutions that they can turn to in order to make a positive difference in their lives. So they look to see what's around them. They have friends that are in negative positions and those friends end up being role models, so then they want to be like those friends because maybe they don't have a stable household at home or their families are broken, or maybe the parents themselves are just not capable of taking care of them properly. They look towards gangs as a sense of stability by joining the military. It provides a viable option away from getting involved in gangs and some of the other things that unfortunately I saw some of my friends in high school end up going towards.
2: Right. Has anyone followed your positive role model? Have you made any influences?
1: I made influences in some areas. Not necessary to say that people have joined the military. People have gotten involved in sports and they've gone to high school and they've gone to college, university, things like that. My brother wants to be a police officer. I'm also currently working with our affiliated cadet corps in Streetsville and Mississauga and providing a positive example for them, seeing what options are out there. Once they're finished their career, they can decide if they want to join the primary reserves or the regular force. They can use me as an example for a positive role model in just society in general and go out and establish a positive career for themselves regardless of what they want to choose.
0: Well, it's interesting that you bring up the cadets, because in one of my most recent interviews with the commander of the Canadian Army, he said that he started in the cadet corps. So perhaps one of the people that you're looking at there on the cadet floor
2: may actually be our future commanders one day. You never know. Absolutely.
1: I find that a lot of leaders, even my commanding officer, also started in the cadet program. I didn't start in the cadet program. I was asked to be a part of it at the request of one of my officers in my unit that we looking for more of an NCO mentor for the senior cadets that are in the program. I've been a part of that for five years now.
0: Well, that's great. Let's move on to the next question. Who is your greatest influence or who is the most memorable character that you've encountered?
1: And again, I have two answers to that question as well. <laughs> that's fine. Not a problem. I have Dave Cohen and van duong they're both very good leaders but they both have very different leadership styles so dave cohen he was a retired sergeant from my regiment and has been for several years however on my basic training he was the course warrant and for me i looked at him as one of those no-nonsense sergeants that you saw in the movies lots of yelling lots of (laughs) push-ups Not in a demeaning way, but more of a way that motivated you to push yourself and to work harder. Right. He praised us sparingly and only if it was deserved. The few rewards we did receive on our basic training course, we felt like we earned it. We felt like a million bucks when he praised us. I find even now, speaking to some of the guys who are on that course, they always ask me if I remember Sergeant Cohen or if I remembered when he said this. He was just one of those memorable guys. right? And I find a lot of people on that course did respect him. The other person is Van Duong, a regular force artillery captain now. But when I first met him, he was a sergeant and my first gun detachment commander. And He was re- directly responsible for many aspects of my career, and he mentored me until I was promoted to sergeant. For me, he was memorable because he... Looked like that crazy Asian guy, never ran out of energy. He was very intense and very passionate about his job. He always did everything at the maximum. You never wanted to upset him because you knew that you were going to get it. But he was always willing to help you out or answer a question or explain something you didn't understand because he also knew what he was talking about when it came to artillery-specific matters or artillery-specific topics. Right. I remember him telling us a story about what happened when he was doing his Troop Sergeant Major's course. Part of the Troop Sergeant Major's course is reconnaissance of a gun position. Right. He was telling the story that when he was being assessed, he was running around so much, the directing staff actually had to pull out binoculars to try and track him down as to where he was going and what he was doing, because he was just running around everywhere. (laughs) So we're on to
2: the last question. What is the greatest challenge you had to overcome?
1: So the greatest challenge I had to overcome was how I felt after I made a mistake on the gun. I was a gun detachment commander and I was serving with five field regiment out in Victoria, British Columbia at the time. It was an exercise right before they were planning on promoting me to sergeant. We're doing a normal fire mission and in the rush of doing everything fast, I was checking to see that the bearing for the gun was laid properly. But what happened was I didn't read the numbers correctly. The bearing was not on, and I fired the round at the wrong bearing. Wow! Now, because the Americans were firing m sevens at the same target, No one noticed that my bearing was off. So it wasn't off by much. The round still landed safely, but it didn't land at the target. At the end of the fire mission, I realized that my bearing was wrong. And when the gun line TSM came by, I told them that I made a mistake. The person that was applying the bearing was almost in tears and apologizing to me, and I had to tell that person that it wasn't their fault. It was my fault because I didn't double-check properly. Needless to say, I was going through the whole cautionary process and getting ready to get charged. had a conversation with the RSM. The RSM came to me, and he was like, I could charge you right now, but you were honest. If it weren't for you saying that you made a mistake, we wouldn't have known that the mistake was made. So you displayed the proper integrity that is becoming of a senior NCO. So because it was my first time making the mistake and I was honest about it, they decided not to charge me. Three weeks later, I was promoted to sergeant. I always found that it's
0: much better to tell on yourself before someone else has the opportunity to tell on you. Absolutely. I know that I've made a few mistakes in my life and I know it's always been dealt with much better for me when I was the first person to tell the story rather than someone else. And even if there is a consequence attached, you can take that consequence. It's a little bit more palatable to take that consequence if you initiate the disciplinary process
2: on yourself rather than having it go the other way around. Absolutely. And that was
1: exactly what I was thinking when... I decided, well, I might as well fess up. I'll take the consequences. If the charge happens, then the charge happens. But I looked at it as it's a lesson learned. Right. Not to be so focused on speed and always be focused on making sure all the drills are done correctly. It provided a valuable lesson that now myself doing the job of a gunline TSM now that I can pass on to my detachment
2: commanders. Right. Well, Sergeant, we've come to the end of the episode. Is there anything that you're working
0: on right now? You said you're working on the cadet program. Is there anything else that's going on in
1: the background? In addition to working with the cadets, I'm also the VPMC for my mess. I'm also working on some civilian stuff on the side with my mom. Excellent. Family
2: business? Yeah, absolutely. Family business. (laughs) What's the name of your cadet corps? It's
1: the 105 Streetsville RCAC Cadet Corps. They parade out of Streetsville in Mississauga. And if a young
2: person was looking to join the cadets in Streetsville, where would they go to do that?
1: If they go down to Queen Street in Streetsville, the Kendallhurst Academy. Right. And it's pretty much in downtown Streetsville. There's actually three cadet corps that parade out of there. You have the 105 World Canadian Artillery Cadets, there's also the Sea Cadets, and then there's also the Navy League. Excellent. And if they come during the night, then they'll be able to see the cadets and just get a general idea to see if they're interested or not. During the day, it's an actual (laughs) school.
2: Right. Yes. All right. We've come to the end of the show. Is there anything you'd like to say just to summarize?
1: I'd just like to say that I've always had a positive experience in the military. I would encourage young adults in general, if they're looking for a place where they can find stability and make friends and have that sense of family, then trying the military is a positive action or a positive opportunity. If they decide that they like it, then that's great. If they decide that they don't and they want to move on, then at least they would have learned something about themselves that they probably wouldn't have been able to learn otherwise.
0: Right. Well, Sergeant Bankasingh, thank you very much for taking the time to be a guest on the show. And maybe the next time I'm at the seven Toronto Regiments, Warren Officers and Sergeant Smiths, I'll have another Kilkenny.
2: Absolutely. I'll look forward to that. See you again. Absolutely, sir.
1: Take care.
0: Thank you for listening to the Canadian Military History Podcast. I hope that you've enjoyed this episode. If you did enjoy the podcast, please leave some feedback on iTunes. If you have any questions, comments, or suggestions, please send me an email at MikeLacroixCMHP at gmail.com. Please let me know if you'd like me to read your comments on the air. While you're waiting for our next episode, please visit the website at www.CanadianMilitaryHistoryPodcast.ca or the CMHP Facebook page. If you'd like to support the podcast by making a donation, please click the PayPal link on the webpage. The next time you're considering buying something from Amazon.ca, please visit the Canadian Military History podcast website and click on my Amazon link. A small portion of your purchase goes directly towards the support and maintenance of the podcast. However, your great price from Amazon doesn't change. All donations will go directly into the production of the podcast. All music is used with the express permission of the commanding officer. And tag music is provided by the Princess Patricia's Canadian Light Infantry. Views and opinions are those of the guests of the Canadian Military History podcast and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of Mike Lacroix Productions, the Government of Canada, or the Department of National Defence. This is a Mike Lacroix production.